That is a somebody following a previous textbook that used to be like the tagline of every resume, but it's completely unnecessary and it shows you in the improper light. So get rid of that stuff. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. Happy Monday, everybody. I can't believe we're already part of the way through September, which is kind of crazy. We're going to jump right into things today because I think we have a really cool topic. I will let you know our last two podcast episodes, Maddie Fowler Burkhart, who's the assistant AD for annual giving at University of Nebraska. Amazing interview. And the one prior to that, Femi Abebefe, who's the sports betting host and analyst on VSIN, Vegas Sports Information Network. Two really great informative interviews, a lot of good conversations on networking, a lot of good conversations on career journey and pathing and looking ahead in your career and and reverse engineering how to get there. A lot of good, good actionable advice in there. So I'd go back and listen to those. But today is a Monday, which means we do a fan question. The fan today is William in South Carolina. Hey, Brian, I recently read an article on BuzzFeed from a Google senior recruiter explaining what she wants to see on her resume. Do you agree with her take? Very straightforward question, William. Couple of things here before we kick them off. Number one, this is the third or fourth question that I've received from South Carolina in the last week or two, a state that I have not actually visited before or spent much time in, maybe drove through, but I'm kind of like to now. I'd kind of like to go visit because I'm getting all these good questions in from South Carolina and I feel like I should give you back my support. So thank you, Gamecock State. Brian. Hold on, I'm being told. It's actually the Palmetto State. I prefer Gamecock State. Uh, number two. If you're going to ask me a question, I love that you're asking questions. Please do it. Email me at bclap at workinsports.com. DM us uh, on our Twitter feed at workinsports. Go to my LinkedIn page. Message me there. Like, There's so many ways to get me questions. But if you're going to do it and you want to reference an article and you want to say, what do you think about this take? You may want to link to the article in the question. I did find it, but make it easier on me next time. Put the link in the email. All right. Number three, quick soapbox on BuzzFeed. You referenced that you read this article on BuzzFeed. Many of you have probably heard me go on this soapbox before when I've talked about Pro Football Talk, a very popular website that I often go to myself, but I refuse to give any credit for anything because all they're doing is aggregating other people's content. BuzzFeed takes from TikTok videos, they take from Reddit threads, they take from all these other articles of people out there that are being creative and developing something, and then they kind of make it their own. Yes, they give credit. Yes, they link out. I get that. They're amplifying, they're bringing a new audience in, all positives there. If BuzzFeed did something with any of my content, I'd be psyched. But I don't like to give them too much credit because they're not the ones doing the work. I like to give credit to the creators. So this person's name, just want to be really clear, Google senior recruiter's name is Erica Rivera. But I don't know, some of the aggregators get me mad as a content creator. So that's my soapbox, now I'm done. Let's get into the topic. I want to be really clear that I'm not stealing any of these ideas or biting off of anything that Erica says. I agree with all of Erica's points. I've been saying them for years. She got it out there, so we're going to mention her name and, and loop her into this. But let's go through some of these and talk about these are some that she's said and other ones that I am adding to the equation because I do believe that there are some basics you have to hit on your resume. Now, I want to stipulate something. Erica's a senior uh, recruiter at Google, and she has a point of view. She has things she's looking for. She has things that stand out the way that she looks at a resume. And so do I. And so do 10,000 other people out there in talent acquisition. And because we're all human beings, there might be different things we gravitate towards, we like, or we dislike. 
So this is more about best practices. These are consistently thought of and approved throughout the industry, not only sports, in any industry. But just know that there is some gray area here because there is not just one perfect format. Everybody's a little bit different in what they like and what they don't like. So I'm going to go through some basic principles that may not seem that basic to you, but these are just standards, I should say. Basic doesn't necessarily mean easy. These mean foundational decision-making, how do I do this kind of stuff. So let's start out with what I think is a pretty big one. Drop the mission statement. I have been saying this for years. If you have a resume and the first thing somebody sees outside of your name is a big, long mission statement of, I'd like to get a job as an account executive that can use my skills that I've developed during four years of college, learning the sales process and interacting with clients. Okay, that's nice. I kind of know that anyway, because you're applying for my account executive job. Like, I know you want this thing. So you restating it there and also telling me what you want for yourself is not really helpful to this, to this situation. It does not help me make a decision as a recruiter. It's a waste of space. And it's very you-focused, right? You're focused on what you want. But the reality is what you're trying to do is fill what they need. Most people cannot write a mission statement in that format, that they can really focus in on how they fit the demand of the role that they're applying for. So scrap the mission statement. It is a complete waste of space. And most people don't read it. Almost every person I've talked to in talent acquisition or in hiring in any way, shape or form says, yeah, I skip right past that because it's very self-serving and it doesn't really elevate the story. The idea of a resume is to present your skill set. How, what can you do? So interviews will end up telling the hiring manager, the talent acquisition manager, who you are, what your personality is like, your soft skills, all those super important things. Your resume is meant to convey the skill set and say, Oh, this person has what we need. Let's talk to them further and learn more. Oh, this person doesn't have the skills that we need. We can put them in the no pile. So it is kind of that transactional. Your cover letter helps, your, helps you come to life a little bit, highlight some of your soft skills, your personal branding, all the other things that you're doing are important to telling the full story. But that resume is like that first touch point to say, is this person qualified? So the mission statement doesn't really help that momentum. So just scrap it, get rid of it. Number two, this was one, Erica, I'm going to give her credit on this one, but I totally 1000% agree with it. You don't need to put your full street address on your, on your resume anymore. Like that's a very like 1980s kind of move to say, I live at this exact street address. You can get by with just city and state. Save yourself that one line. I hate when people say, I can't possibly get my resume under two pages and that they have all this fluffy extra junk in there. If you're going to decide between, I want to include links to my LinkedIn profile or my personal website or whatever, get rid of the street address, put that stuff in there instead underneath your, um, your city and state. So just giving city and state plenty. Number three, customize your resume for every application. You have to do this. And I talk about this so often. Okay. Again, getting back to that original point, you're going to get noticed for the first round of interviews based on the skill set that you have, whether it matches the job that is in demand. If you just have one version of your resume and you just throw it out there everywhere, that might not match the exact needs of a specific job. I always give this example. 
I started out my career as a production assistant at CNN Sports Illustrated. And in that role, one of the main thrusts of the job as a production assistant was to edit game highlights. So an essential skill at that to get that job was to be um, fluent in, in editing resources like Final Cut Pro, Avid, Quantel, all these different nonlinear editing programs. That was important for that job. So if I had that skill, I have to get that elevated on my resume and easy to see and clear that I know this thing. But there could be a different production assistant job, let's say at another network, because I've hired this as well, that I'm looking for more of an early phase writer, maybe a graphic designer, maybe somebody that's good with stats. So some of these roles, especially when you're entry level, they can be these bucket terms like production assistant, but that could mean a lot of different things that contribute to the production process. If I just sent my nonlinear edit editing focused resume on there, but didn't highlight certain skills that I had that fit that job or elevate them, I might not be noticed. So what I'm saying is if you have five bullet points for a particular job, and let's say you're applying to this one job that has this need, that becomes your first bullet point. You just make sure you elevate it. You make sure there's no chance somebody misses that. And that could be the simple switch that we're talking about here in customization is just highlighting or switching bullet points. Or you might say, wow, this job really talks about Salesforce skills a lot. I've mentioned that I have Salesforce skills, but I haven't gone into a great a deal of depth there. But this is really important for this job. So I'm going to build out two or three bullet points that emphasize not only that I'm fluent in Salesforce, but what I've accomplished by using it, how I work more efficiently, how I've saved time, money, effort, et cetera. So you can start to build out these concepts in your resume based on what is in demand for this role. If you're not doing that, you are missing opportunities and you are selling yourself short because you're not highlighting your skills well enough. Next one, what do you include in work history? Especially when you're early in your career, you do not have to be, I'm talking about college, I'm talking about first year or two out of college, you do not have to be completely linear in the order that you give work history. And what I mean by that is, if you did an internship over this past summer with the Indianapolis Colts, but then you come back and you're on campus and you're working at a local restaurant, you don't need to build your resume in, in logical order to say, I worked at this restaurant, and here's the second one, I worked at the Colts. Get rid of the restaurant. You don't have to put it on there. It is not like a legal document where you need to have everything you've ever done on there. Now, if you're applying for a job that does deal with customer service, you can put the restaurant job in there and make sure that the bullet points in there emphasize how you dealt with a scenario, dealt with customers, had great responses, whatever. Make it make sense to me. Connect it to the job you're applying for. If it doesn't fit, don't put it in. I see this all the time that people are burying the most impactful piece of their resume. Even if you're further into your career, you still don't need to put every single thing on there. Only include those elements of your work history that present a connection to what you're currently doing or wanting. And you'll have an opportunity to explain any of those gaps if needed, or if you, you know, you put in maybe some time frames that you were at other places, but you really build out those that have, you know, direct connection to what you're doing, you can be selective in work history. You don't need to drop everything. Number five include metrics wherever you can. Metrics are data points. So if you want to work in sales, some of your sales experience you should be putting 
percentage of quota that you're reaching every quarter, number of outbound calls made, number of uh, successful. If you're an email marketer, ran campaigns that had a 12% increase in click-through rate. If you're in social media, uh, increase Twitter followers by 15%. And obviously you need to build these out a little bit more and give them a little bit more depth and a little bit more how and reason and why. But those numbers convey so much power because they're not just power verbs. I know a lot of people will argue through which power verbs to use, which information that, you know, really sells you. To me, it's data. Like if you have a job and then you have five bullet points underneath it, not all five need to have data in them, but at least one of the five should, because that's proof of concept. That's real. Somebody can sink their teeth into that, you know, rather than just streamlined, executed, administered, managed, you know, like I get it. Those are important. Strong power verbs are good, but data really sells you. I've looked at resumes side by side with people that had the exact same internship. I kid you not. I've shared this in many of my workshops. I have people that had the exact same internships. It was actually with the Boston Red Sox working in their one of their academy programs or sales academy programs. And one person built out their resume to share all the details of what they accomplished and gave data to it and how many calls they made, how many closes they had, how many uh, you know times they beat their goals and projection, revenue incoming. And, and the other person was like, I did these things. And one was just so much more convincing than the other, the one with data. And, and it's plain as day when you see them side by side. So figure out ways to include data. Little hint to you, if you're doing an internship or even at your first jobs or whatever, the only ways to accumulate data is to know what they were when you started. So when you first start, set your foundation for some of those numbers. If you're working in social media, write down what the follower account is when you start your internship so that you have a growth you can project by the end of it. Same thing if you're working in email marketing or whatever it may be, look to set, establish some data points that you can then reference back to when you complete your time there. That's how you show metrics. But the final one, this is very dating of a resume. If you write at the bottom, references available upon request. It's like every recruiter or hiring manager out there is like, well, yeah, I would hope so. You know, like I should hope if I asked you for references that you'd have them and could give them to me. So you don't need to state that they're available upon request. That is a somebody following a previous textbook that used to be like the tagline of every resume, but it's completely unnecessary and it shows you in the improper light. So get rid of that stuff. Get rid of the mission statement. Get rid of the references available upon request. Focus in your resume on your most, most connected work history, add in metrics where you can, and just be as powerful in this moment. You want somebody or, or an applicant tracking system to be able to deduce quickly that you match the demands of this job. That's the goal of the resume. Make sure that you make it clear the skills that you have that match this job. Takes a little bit more work, but it's gonna get you hired. And that's the goal here, right? All right, happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please, I say it every time, I need you to do it. Rate, review, subscribe. Did I say that in the right order? Yeah, rate it, give it a five-star review. Write a review, say how awesome this show is and how much it's improved your life. Whether that's true or not, just say it. And if you subscribe, that means you're always going to see all the great guests that we have. So these are important things that help us remain high in the podcast rankings. So get on it, people. Thanks for listening.